And then after my mom died, my dad's friend, you know, saw, you know, he know he knew he was an alcoholic and he's like, you can't take care of Fedor. Let me help you put him in an or in an orphanage. Welcome to TFC Conversations, where we want to strengthen your faith one conversation at a time. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, man. my goodness. Hey, well, welcome everybody to TFC Conversations. I'm your host, Frankie Benitez. I'm your host, Alex Miller, and we are so happy to have our friend, Fedor Weems, on the podcast with us. Welcome, Fedor. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. A fellow leader amongst us. Yep. Deacon, deacon. Yep. at Trinity Fellowship Church. Very excited to have him here. Yeah. And uh, we like to start with, we already started talking, but we like to start by asking all of our guests a few questions just to kind of get you talking. And the first question, what was it? First question, Vador, we want to know what your favorite meal is. All right. And um, before I answer that, after I answer it, will there be a 10 to 15 second pause? There will not. All right. Perfect. <laughs> All right. My my favorite meal. Um, wow. Uh, I like. Let's see. Pizza's probably you know up top, and I'll uh, and actually um, that torta, the jumbo torta from Pink Flamingo. Shout out Pink yep, Flamingo Pink Taco Flamingo. Shop, Winona, Texas. Yes. My brother-in-law owns it. <laughs> like I thought, not playing around. Like that was the best meal that I've had. In all of 2021, probably it was wow. the best tasting. Wow. It the it was like well-rounded dish. The flavor was all there. So that probably has been my favorite food now. <laughs> uh, a jumbo torta, carne asada. I think it's yep. what it's called. Carne right? asada. Carne yeah, asada. Um, it had some kind of little butter sauce or something, and then mm-hmm. I got the medium uh, salsa, and it was just incredible. Oh, like, it was your, just, your mouth is watering. <laughs> It was so good. Like, it was the best thing. So Pink Flamingo, sponsor us right now. (laughs) We've just given you a huge shout out. Yep. Um, And then the second question we like to ask our guests is, uh, what do you do in your free time? Um, So my free time has actually changed. I used to, you know, make some videos on the side, but now I um, work on the golf carts. I fix them up and, and sell them. So if anyone listening to this wants a golf cart... They could theoretically contact you, correct? Yeah, yes. Not just a golf cart, but a really awesome golf cart. Yeah. And if anybody <laughs> wants to buy me one, see Fedor. <laughs> <laughs> and and the videos you used to make, you went you went semi viral on YouTube, I would say. Four hundred and fifty thousand views. Yeah, four yeah, I made a, one video. I took an alternator part and I made yeah, I got four hundred and fifty thousand views and counting. It's still getting about I think about eighteen well. Yeah, about eighteen to two thousand views per day on that wow. video. It's impressive, and it's a uh, the video is one year old already. It's still still going strong. That's awesome. That is awesome. And if you want to check out Fedora's YouTube channel, it is um, Fedora Weems. Just search Fedora Weems. And then you have another one, right? Yeah, is that made uh, easy? Made easy. Yeah. Uh, it's just tutorials. It's all boring stuff, unless like you're you're a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> you probably won't enjoy it. That's great. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, um, let's let's start from the beginning. Um, we, we just want to know a little bit about you and just about your story and um, your upbringing and just all that good stuff. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself? 
All right. Well, I was adopted when I was whenever I was nine, and then just a month and a half or so later, I turned ten. I was adopted from Ukraine. Um, both of my parents were alcoholics. Yeah, they're, my, my dad was like alcoholic for sure, like hardcore. He couldn't stop. He basically drank twenty four seven. Like throughout the day, he would drink and then drink before going to bed. And whenever he wake up, wake up at night to go to the bathroom or whatever, he'd take a shot and then go back to sleep. Mm. <laughs> it was just wow. severe, severe. Wow. And then a few times towards the end of my time in Ukraine, I actually saw him like get seizures like from alcohol withdrawal. Mm. Like if you don't drink for a while, you, you kind of get shaky and then you just have a seizure. You just like flop. And uh, I've seen that, I think, twice, him having a seizure. And that's how my mom actually died. Um not from a seizure, but she, uh, New Year's Eve, she, you know, drank a lot at her friend's house, and then she lay down on the couch, never woke up. Wow. Wow. Uh, from, from alcohol. And you, and you witnessed that? I was in the living room playing soccer, yeah. She was laying on the couch, and we, we didn't have a ball, so we took, like, sweater and shirts, and we tied them into a ball, you know, best we could, and we played, a, like, in soccer uh, using that. And then she was laying on the couch the whole time, and it was about probably around nine o'clock or so and it was time for me to go home so i went to wake her up and she was like really stiff like just stiff feeling and then uh i started crying wake up mom wake up wake up i kind of just shaking her like you know putting my hands on her and just pressing her down like you know shaking her like wake up and then uh oh, wow I, I, I knew i knew she i mean i was like nine yeah i was uh, no sorry i was around eight years old and i knew she she died you know um i didn't really know why at that moment, you know, I, I wasn't sure what happened. And then um, later we had the, you know, I wasn't part of it, but they called whoever over there in Ukraine that pronounces, you know, dead and whatever. They did the uh, biopsy or uh, whatever they call it um, to find out the reason why someone died. Biopsy? Autopsy. Autopsy. Yeah. There mm-hmm. you go. They, they did that. I don't know if they actually like cut her open or not, but they said she died of alcohol poisoning. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And um, so, you know, we buried my mom and then my dad was still not, and he was more, more of an alcoholic than her. She was kind of, I guess, borderline alcoholic. She would drink a lot, but she, she could stop and not drink for like a few days or something, but he couldn't, he had, he had to drink every single day, like around the clock. And growing up, I'd come home from school and my, uh, like my, my, my rug will be missing because he would sell the rug. Because he, mm. we, didn't, we didn't have money, so he would sell the rug to get alcohol. And I come in the next day, and like all our china dishes are gone. He would sell those. Uh, it would be stuff like that. And then uh, one time we had aluminum curtain rods, and we didn't have a lot of money, so we had our own garden, and we um, planted potatoes and vegetables, and then we would harvest them, uh, and then store them, and then eat them throughout the winter. You know, you would, we would like build up food supplies for the for the winter and uh so about the shower about about the window curtains is i remember we had the aluminum window curtains and we needed some money and my mom actually this is before before she died she she took them down and she had me take him to the scrap metal place hmm. to get money so we can you know get some food so we, we were like intense poor and like we had like nothing like right now let's say you know you pandemic happens 
you kind of have like you know can of beans or ramen noodles or something something to eat you know like we had literally like zero beans zero ramen noodles zero flour zero sugar like no food at all not even like a crumb in our house that's how that's how poor we were growing up and then after my mom died my dad's friend you know saw you know he know he knew he was an alcoholic and he's like you can't take care of fedor let me help you put him in an or in an orphanage and then that process took about three months he had to you know give up rights to be my legal guardian and i still have that certificate it's kind of funny my mom gave it to me because whenever i got adopted i got all the, I got all the papers with, mm. we got some some were copies and some were originals and my, my adopted mom gave them to me, so I kind of have them somewhere. Uh, not somewhere, but they're my they're safe in the box. Right. But after my dad's friend put me in, helped me get an orphanage, he he told me he's gonna make his life mission to find kids like me and help them get to an orphanage. Wow. And uh, I was I was the I was the I was the start of his mission, and he was he was really proud of it. He was like. You know, I remember him saying like he wasn't a good person, but he wanted to like have an impact on somebody, and he really to help me out. But it was the orphanage time was probably the best time in, that I've had in Ukraine. Uh, I don't know, some orphanages aren't the best, but the one that I went to was really it was it was nice. I I really loved my stay. Mm. We had five meals a day. We got breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner. Mm. You know, and I want to go back to something you said earlier because you said about the guy who made it a mission to help kids like you. Yeah. I mean, if he could, like, see what mm. has become of you and now your family. And, mm-hmm. by the way, you're, you're, you're married and have uh, uh, three girls. Three girls. And one boy. That's right. And on the way. And so, I mean, if he could just see you now. And then sometimes I think that people take for granted, like, uh, how much impact an act of kindness can have on somebody else. And if he could just see you now, he'd probably be really proud. Yeah. Well, he was he was a little bit older. He was probably um, 55 plus. He, he, was, an, he was an older guy. Um, and after I got adopted, so I, so he put he helped me put it go in an orphanage around like 2003 or so. I was there for one year and five months. I mean, I remember while I was there, it was kind of sad, but like one of the kids would, the director of the orphanage would come in and say, hey, you're, you know, you're being adopted. You know, your parents will be coming here to see you soon. And then all of a sudden he's gone. And then someone else comes and then uh, this other kid is gone. You know, that girl's gone. And it's, it's never, it's always random, you know, and some, some kids, have been in an orphanage most of their life. Like it's all that they know is orphanage. Like they they grew up from they were mm. first born. They just got put in there. Uh, I don't think Ukraine has like a foster system. It's like either an orphanage or you mm-hmm. kind of survive in in your own house. But for some kids, it was, I remember it, it was really sad for one of my friends. He's been there his whole life, and he watched all of his friends get picked, mm. and then he was left behind. Like seeing that for years, like. And it, and it was really common, like while I was there, I think probably five in in a year and five months out of my my class, about five kids got adopted while I was there. So in like in about in about a year from my class, from other classes, like I was in third grade, and we had about eighteen kids, 
and then you would have kids come in and and of course get adopted and whenever I, whenever I was there we had about five come in during that year so wow and then um, during your time at the orphanage I believe this relates to your testimony of how Jesus came into your life is that correct yes um, it was it was it was awesome experience so there was a lot I I don't remember exactly I'm I think they said they were from somewhere Chicago area, but there was the orphanage had this like a little chapel room, and if you wanted to, you could go and they had like a every Wednesday they had a service. They would like you would sing songs and then they would do like a little Bible lesson or something. And this chapel was run, but it was like it it was like I guess um, well Ukraine's like Eastern Orthodox. Uh, it's like heavy Eastern Orthodox religion is, is in that area. So it was like influenced by Orthodox religion, but it wasn't like that. It was like more of a non-denominational church service. But it was like, but the teacher that taught it, she was from one of those churches. So it was like she had some little bit of influence uh, like that. Well, um, the church from uh, from Chicago, I guess, contacted her. And let her know that we're, we're, we're doing this camp and give us um, two boys and two girls from the people that go to your chapel on Wednesdays. And I got picked. Hmm. And I, it was like a, like a weird thing that I got picked. And then another one of my friends, my boy, uh, one, of the, one of the other boys got picked. And both of us went. And only two of us out of the whole orphanage went from my, from my class. And while I was there... It was like the best time I have ever had, like, you know, in camp. It was so much fun. And then, um, let's see. And then on the, on the last night, so every day we had like, I think like three to four services per day. And it was like really heavy, intense. It wasn't like, no, it was a lot of fun, but it was mostly concentrated on like learning the Bible and like Bible lessons and worship. But uh, on the last day, they were like, you know, if you want to, you, you've been hearing about Jesus the whole time. You know, if you want to receive Jesus in your heart, Come on the stage, and we'll give you this little Bible. And about ninety percent of the kids went up on stage. Some of them kind of left, were like left behind. I would have, if I was the teacher, I would like encourage everybody to come up, but not. They didn't do that for some reason. I was yeah. kind of disappointed. But on the last day, they, you know, and I remember after I did that, like I heard, I had like the voice inside my 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 heart, like at all times, it was like, uh, like guiding me, like every time I even like try to to do to sin or do anything bad like it would like say you know, I would like it would like tell me like oh that's wrong you know don't do that don't do this it's awesome yeah and i had it for like a long time and so as soon as i got back from the camp um you know my my personality you know challenger or whatever that those tests that you have to take <laughs> uh, i had all all the boys in my in my uh in my uh in my room uh, we like we got on our knees and everybody accepted Christ. That is awesome, for them. <laughs> and you led that. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, so like I, I I didn't really give them a choice. I was like, this is awesome. You, know, you, you got to do this, you know. And I told them, and me and that guy, we kind of persuaded everybody to do it. So uh, that's awesome. It, it was good, but it was a church somewhere, and in that same church, they also made the Operation Christian Christmas Child possible. It was like on, we didn't really have Christmas, but on January 7th, we had like a special deal. And then January 14th, it was something else, some other holiday. I kind of forget what the, what those are. But on one of the 
one of the holidays, um, we got this Operation Christmas Child box, and uh, that's where I uh, that's where I got the gifts. And you heard my testimony talking about it, but that's how I received it. It was right after the camp, and it was like a double double yeah. blessing. Wow! And you mentioned something too to me about uh, you praying that you wanted to come to America. Yes. I remember growing up, my dad used to like talk really good about America. He's like, you know, he he grew up in Soviet Russia. You know, he was because um, Soviet Union fell apart in 1992 or something, right? So he was he was like in his 20s when that happened, and uh, so he he knew how it was, and there was like this hate for America. You know, like America's supposed to be evil mm-hmm. and whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, but he would always talk nice. He was like, you know, America's the best country in the world. Um, he wanted me to learn English. I remember that. And he kind of knew a little bit of English and he would teach me like how to count and stuff. And, uh, ever since then, I kind of, once I got to the orphanage, I found out that you can get adopted. And I've seen these kids being adopted to France. It was two countries always, France or America. Mm. I never seen anybody get adopted anywhere else. Mm. And, um, and I would pray, I would, I'd pray every, uh, every, like after that camp, after receiving Jesus, I'd pray every day, like God send me to America, send me to America. And then shortly after, the director of the orphanage comes in, and he's like, um, he called, he actually, he, he didn't come in, I'm sorry, he he called me into his office, and I thought I was in trouble. <laughs> and he, he tells me, he goes, a uh, family from France wants to adopt you. Just want to let you know they're, um, they're going to be here soon. And then I, I kept, I, I prayed again. I was, I was excited in front of him, but I was like kind of sad because I didn't want to go to France. And I'd pray, and I'd like, God, I don't want to go to France. <laughs> wow. Send me to America. And then those people never came. And uh, shortly after that, um, he called me in again, and he said, the family from America wants to adopt you. And I was really excited. Wow. And so he tells me that, and he says they'll be back. They'll be here, I think, November, sometime in November, like first or second week of November, they're coming to get you. And November comes, and they're not there. They haven't showed up. Second week of November comes. They're still not there. Third week of November comes. They're still not there. And I'm like, I'm thinking like, what's going on? But I continue to pray. Then in December, um, the same chapel people, they, they hooked us up again. But this time the whole class got to go to another church camp, um, West Ukraine. In the, in the, in the, we call it the Karpaty Mountains. There was a camp. It was really close to Poland. Like, I think it's in the border of Poland somewhere. And um, they had this church camp, and it was it was cabins. And it, it was, it was, it was uh, like wintertime, so I remember seeing a lot of snow. And we would hike in the mountains. And while I was there, um, this random guy comes to the camp, and he's looking for me. And they're like, where's Fedor? Where's Fedor? And then they finally locate me. And he says, people from America are in the orphanage looking for you. <laughs> mm. So I guess my parents paid him or something or sent somebody to come and get me. And I was on the other side of Ukraine. I was like, so the Sumi, the city where I'm from, is on eastern Ukraine. And the the, the Karpaty Mountains are on the western Ukraine. Like wow. very, very west. I was like opposite country. <laughs> and this guy comes to get me. So he, <clears throat> so we, we, we take the train, me and him, all the way back uh, to Sumi. It took like, I think, 18 hours. Not, not, it took a long time. I don't know how much. I think it was like 12, 
whatever it was. It was like overnight and then a little bit more. <clears throat> then we get to his house. I spend the night there and then we go to the orphanage the next day. And then, and then I find out that I'm being adopted with three other kids. Mm. And uh, the reason that my parents were delayed by, you know, three, four weeks or whatever that was, is whenever they got to Ukraine, things were kind of moving a little slow. And they were like, while we're here, let's go ahead and save money and get a girl. Because we don't have to buy more plane tickets to come back. We can just do it all, all here. And uh, the U.S. government was really, really quick. They processed the papers, and they were like, make sure the girl doesn't have any siblings. And people are like, yeah, she doesn't have any siblings. She's an only child. Then they get to the orphanage, and the girl has a brother and a sister. And another brother that's um, older, so he's not an orphanage. He's, you know, live, he's out. He's, um, I think he was like 18 or something years old. So they were like, oh, man, we can't separate these people, these kids. So they filed the papers to adopt all four of us. And my oldest sister, she was 16 years old. And the old Ukrainian law was you're 16, you're, you're, you're basically an adult, and you could not be adopted. And as, as the adoption process was happening, Ukraine was like changing the law, like mm. at the same time, to where you can adopt a 16-year-old. <clears throat> And uh, so my parents, they took off work for two weeks to go adopt us. And they ended up staying in Ukraine for seven weeks. And it, it, it was just a miracle that, you know, they were able to come back and still have their jobs, you know, be gone for, you know, a month and a half or yeah. almost two months and still have, your, have uh, your jobs. And our church was awesome. I remember coming, coming back and our church, I guess our church... While we were gone, they took up like offerings and donations, and because we had brand new bikes, all four of us, the church, mm -hmm. you know, took donations or whoever bought us new bikes. Um, I got a soccer ball. My brother got a football. My, my sisters got whatever. And we got a bunch of toys. Um, I, remember, I remember seeing like a, just a pile of toothbrushes and like a pile of soaps. I guess they just took donations from people. They're like, hey, they're coming home with four kids. I need stuff. Wow. Who, who can help? Wow, and they just loaded us up. We didn't have to buy any kind of supplies or anything. Our our our, our dressers were like full of clothes. Like they they got us clothes, all kinds of stuff. So my parents didn't have to worry about worry about all that stuff. So that was cool. And then you <clears throat> ended up in was it Terrell, Texas? Yes, my parents lived in Terrell, Texas. Um, and, and another thing, whenever I prayed to go to America, I prayed. I said, God. Because I didn't want to be somewhere that was really cold. I looked at the map, and I, I, sorry, I looked at the uh, the globe and the longitudinal line of Ukraine. I was like, I needed, and I prayed. I said, I need to, be, I need to be below this line, as south as possible. That's funny. <laughs> and then uh, I remember when my parents came. We asked them. Of course, we were like, Where, where do you live? You know, are you, are you from New York? And you know, we kind of want, you know, somebody famous. They're like, no, we live close to Dallas. I'm like, where's Dallas? <clears throat> and then they, uh, we used to watch actually Texas Walker Ranger in Ukraine. It, it'll be it'll be dubbed to our language, but we were excited to know that we were going to Texas. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So what was that? What was the culture? Do you experience culture shock when you came? Yeah, it was the school. Everything. Everything. Actually, the first shocking thing was I remember. 
um, driving around and seeing bikes just sitting on the front porches of people's houses. Mm. I'm like, what? Uh, why aren't Nobody's you stealing it? Why aren't you hiding your bike? You, know, you can get jacked. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but it was just I was like shocked. Like, why are you putting your valuables out? You know. Um, so that was the first thing I, rem- I remember, like being really shocked. The second thing was the school. I never seen any like so much chaos like in classrooms. I'm, like in our classroom, every time an adult comes in, everybody has to stand up. Even it's another teacher, principal, whoever, everybody stands up. And then like raising your hand, you, you know, you you don't go, ooh, ooh ah, 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 you know, you don't, you don't just do that. <laughs> you, you have like you. It was like uh, it was quiet. You raised your hand, wow. and yeah. you know, it was. It was some the lack of order and like mm-hmm. the lack of discipline. It was just shocking, and then seeing um, just how people like driving everywhere. And one of the things was in Ukraine. My whole time in Ukraine, I only see I saw two women driving. That's it. It was all, all men always drive for whatever. I maybe not everybody had a car to begin with, but still, you know, if I just I only saw two women drivers, and then coming here seeing like basically every single person that's 16 <laughs> years old drives. You know? <laughs> that's so true. So that, that, that was pretty shocking. Wow. And then eventually, let's skip ahead a few years, you, you made it to Tyler um, and, of course, the Trinity Fellowship. Tell us, tell us kind of the, the process of, of going through middle school, high school, coming to, to Tyler. What, what yeah. would that look like? Well, they, they always say, you know, statistically, kids that know a second language tend to be smarter you know, they, they tend to do good because I agree. they have a good st- study <laughs> habits. You know, they have to learn. I know tongues. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. So I, I did really I did really well in school. And what really helped me with school was I was in third grade in Ukraine. And whenever I came here, they put me in fifth grade. Wow. Yeah. And the stuff that I learned in third grade, the kids here were learning in fifth grade. So like with math... They were doing, I forget, like calculating area and uh, whatever, whatever stuff that fractions, we were learning fractions, like mm-hmm. all the stuff I already learned. So like, even though I did not know, know English, like I could, I didn't have to learn it. I already knew it. So like even biology, not biology, sorry, science, the stuff about cells, like the cell wall, nucleus, we learned all of that stuff. So I knew all of that. I remember learning it again in fifth grade, which really helped me out. Yeah, really helped me out because you know, right? I already knew it. We had uh, 312 kids in our class, and I graduated fourth out of my class. I could have, I could have had it the first, but my my freshman year, I did not take pre AP English and pre AP Science because I I didn't feel confident in English, but I should have. It's my regret. I would have done well, but I was just scared. I I mean, I I kind of thought. That not no being so new to English would kind of slow me down, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't have. So, what made you decide to come to Tyler then? Um, at first, I was looking at UT Dallas, and then, and I looked at the prices. I was like, "Wow, this is expensive." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, at the time, I worked for Brahms, and uh, my thought process was like, you know, I'll need a job. But my parents not, can't really pay for school, so I need to go somewhere where there's Brahms. And there was Brahms, I think, in Dallas area, but it was wasn't too close to the college campus. But there was Brahms in Tyler, and I actually had one of my high school friends. 
he was on Tyler already. I went mm-hmm. to two years at TVCC in, in Terrell. So after high school, I went to junior college there. And while I was there, I talked to my friend Billy. And he said, yeah, you can come. Um, I, actually need, I actually need a roommate. You can come and um, go to school in Tyler. So then you came, well, you went from TVC, which is Trinity Valley, right? Trinity Valley Community College. Okay. And then you came, is it UT Tyler that you ended up? Yes, I was looking for places where Brahms was. And there was two Brahms and Tyler. And uh, I looked at the map. I was like, okay, this one's closer to, to UT Tyler. So I want to go there. So I talked to my manager. And she's like, yeah, we'll transfer you, no problem. And then um, I um, moved to Tyler on Saturday, uh, August 31st. And then the Sunday was 2013. Sunday was September 1st. And that Saturday, I got on Google and I searched churches in Tyler. And after typing that in, Trinity Fellowship Church came in the top top result. I clicked on it, uh, scrolled through the website. It was really nice. They were they were all about worship. Uh, I love the you know, I forget how they worded it. We might have changed it since then, but it was like all about freedom and worship, and you know, and they seemed to be non-denominational is what I wanted. So I was like, I'm I'm there. So and then and then wow. September 1st, 2013, my, fr- uh, my first Sunday there. And then lo and behold, that's, that's the day that I meet Ashton. <laughs> and then, <laughs> Who's your uh, current wife to anyone listening? Yes, she's yeah. my current wife. Pregnant your wife. current wife. <laughs> <laughs> Only wife. Your <laughs> current wife. Forever. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> she's pregnant with her fourth kid now. Mm. So um, so that's how I came to Trinity. And then, but my thing was, whenever we lived in Tyrrell, my parents, I don't know why, but every church we went to, it was a 40-minute drive. And I, and, I, and I did not like that at all. Like we went to church in Forney. We lived in Tyrrell. We went to church in Forney for like four or five years. Then we went to another church in Kaufman, which is another city over about 40-minute ride um, for four or five years or whatever, however time we spent there. But every church we went to, it was 40-minute ride. And I was like, nope, whenever, I, I, whenever I, ha- I set my own rules, 10 minutes is the max. I'm not going to church <laughs> that's farther than 10 minutes. You know, if, if I happen to – it was a miracle that whenever I lived in Jacksonville, I still came to TFC. <laughs> 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 but, uh, but, yeah, so that, that, that was our goal. And I, whenever I checked online, TFC was, I think, less than uh, – I lived at – I lived by UT Tyler at the time, but it was like less than 10 minutes. Yeah. And I was like, perfect. I'm there. <laughs> so you had Brahms on one side, TFC on the other side. Yeah. You're good to go. Yeah. It was, yeah, 10 minutes to 10 minutes or less to both. It was, it was great. It's awesome. Wow. And then, uh, since then, so then you came to TFC, got married. Um, now you're, let's see, been married how many years now? Since 2016. So six years, going on six years. Okay, so so tell us what uh, what God's currently doing in your life. Um, so right now, um, the main focus is on family, and I think we're kind of we're kind of at like a a season where we can't really do much. Like this this is this is our this is our time just to kind of set a good foundation for what will happen in the future. Because our our hope is the kids, you know grow up pretty quickly you know we, we raise them right teach them all the wisdom that we can and then once they're graduate high school that's it you know just push them <laughs> off <laughs> kick, kick them out that's funny 
It, it really is the goal. We talked about it. We're both on the same page. We decided that once they graduate, if they're not in school, they're going to pay rent. And I, I'm since I'm the nice one, we're going to collect that rent and we're going to put it in the bank. And then whenever they finally move out, we'll give that will give them the money that they paid for the rent for all those years. I just want to highlight that you said you're the nice one. <laughs> so, passion. <laughs> we, Sorry. <laughs> we could have we could have kept the money, you know. But our plan is that's our. We're not gonna tell the kids, but I don't think they will. I think they'll move out pretty we quickly. Hope, we better hope they don't hear this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You already told them basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. Well, I'm I'm happy uh, for you and and uh, and you owe me your marriage. So, yeah, uh, I remember when I met Fedor, uh, he, you were working Sunday nights, right? Sunday night. Oh, that was, uh, and, that was uh, terrible. And we prayed and then you were able to come to our young adult yeah. group. Yeah, it turned around pretty quickly. Um, I worked at Brahms for only like two, three months, four months. And during that time, I went to Trinity Fellowship Church the whole time. And on Sunday, I think you guys just started young adults, too. Yeah. And um, every Sunday you would invite me, and I was like, "No, sorry, I got, I got work, I got work, I got work." And then you were like, "You know, I'll pray for you that you'd get another job, so you yeah. can have Sundays off." And then shortly after, I, I, uh, I got a job at Wasabi. It's like a sushi restaurant, and I could kind of control my hours a little bit better. And I was off on Sundays, not hundred percent of the time, but pretty much, I was off on Sundays, and I was able to join young adults. Yeah, and that's how, and that's why he owes Frankie that you said he owes you your marriage because yep. that was when him and Ashton got connected at Young Adults. Yes. Yep. All right. They, they would go and and uh, and quote quote pray. <laughs> they would go pray. Seek the, at, seek the uh, Lord. They would go seek the Lord at the, uh, was it Taco Bell? Oh, that's great. Yeah. Because Fedor, one of the things that people don't know about Fedor is that he's a very generous person. Yes. He's a very generous person, and so uh, his. I remember when he told me that, um, that the reason why he wanted to go to Taco Bell is because he could afford paying for somebody else's food. And so that was really sweet. <laughs> yeah. It is. It gets expensive with other places. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else you want to ask? That's all I got. I just wanted to say, um, Fedor, we really appreciate having you on and hearing your story. That's that's a really powerful testimony. And I think the Frankie, something you brought out earlier, just... Don't neglect the power of simple actions mm-hmm. and what even that you can't even see the impact that it may have on somebody yeah. down the line like Fedor's, the guy that you said, the, the the older guy that took you to the orphanage and suggested that and has that as a, as a ministry. You know, that's a powerful you know story for him and how you overcame all those barriers and odds um, mm-hmm. to, to be where you are today. That's amazing. Yeah, exactly. So if you if you... If you hear the Lord and He speaks to you um, to do something, don't don't hesitate. I mean, just obey, obey the Lord, voice of the Lord, and and He will bless you. and And the impact that you'll have in other people is going to be, you know, just unbelievably amazing. So, so Fedora is just the, the the clear testimony of that. So, Amen. And uh, anything else you want to say, Fedora? Well, because I was impacted by it, I actually see I have seen the fruit of the Christmas child boxes, but I, I do recommend, I know our church does them and fill it up and put good stuff in there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because it, it, it is a big treat and it is kind of disappointing if you get, like I remember in particular, I remember this, 
uh, one of the girls in our group, she got a camera, like disposable. Well, it wasn't this. It was just a camera that you could put film in yourself. Like it was just a uh. blank camera and didn't come with any film or anything, but just a camera. Uh. And then, you know, what do you do with that? Bummer. You know? And uh, a, a lot of those boxes go to oversee, overseas. Um, so you kind of have to like, if you're going to get some kind of electronic device, they may not have access to batteries. So you may have to like put right. batteries in there or get something that doesn't require batteries because like once the batteries run out, they may not be able to use it anymore. Um, but yeah, so I would recommend, you know, make it, make it your at least one, one, uh, act of kindness. If you're going to do one at all in 2021, make it, make it that to where you can just bless somebody with just an awesome gift. Yeah. And honestly, this podcast may be released around the time where we're collecting boxes yep. sometime in, yep. in November. So if you're listening, this is a sign from God. <laughs> Get <laughs> a box. And if you're not currently attending Trinity Fellowship Church, you're more than welcome to join in on our Operation Christmas Child Absolutely. program. Yeah. So. And then I, I'm, I'm just going to kind of kid around, but, you know, whenever whenever we all die and then Jesus, we come before the Lord and he's like, remember that podcast that you heard? And you didn't do anything about it. You did not fill a box. That it was confirmed to you that it was a sign from God, and you still did not listen. You ignored the signs. Oh, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Well, thank you everybody for listening to this podcast, and we look forward to seeing you. And thank you, Fedor, for being here. Absolutely. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again. We'll see you next time, Frankie. Play that outro music. <laughs> Okay. All right. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. 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 Thank you.